Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Hardware Podcast. Podcast. Danner, alongside uh, my good friend Omar Borja, and uh, we're going to be going over a little bit of a week five preview as well as week four players of the week. So, other than that, how's it going, man? Going, going pretty well. Um, we had a really eventful weekend. Um, yeah, no kidding. Whenever the slate is slow, that's when the craziest stuff happens. So always seems to be. Yeah, Georgia State got hosed, but uh, I think I think we might talk about that a little bit later. Really sad for that program. Um, but even Bo Nix getting uh, getting benched, something I, I didn't think would, I didn't think would happen. But uh, yeah, really eventful week. We thought it was going to be a slow week. This week's got a bunch of barn burners. Maybe this maybe these games will be duds this week with uh, how last week worked out. But uh, without further ado, I mean, yeah, I mean, do you have any anything to say, Jackson, about about the opening? I, I don't, man. I, I don't, but it was uh it was a solid week. Uh, we had a lot to lot to digest. And man, Clemson is not ranked. When was the last time that that happened? A long time ago. So um yeah, we'll go ahead. Um I can't remember. Is it your turn to go first or mine? Uh, I think I think you went first last week, so I'll go first with uh, with my quarterback. Okay. Uh, so my first quarterback is a guy that I think, um, as odd as it may seem, it's a very it's, it's a very hot take, but a guy that I think is in with, with the right performances in some big games could be in the Heisman race. And I'm going with Christian Anderson of Army with oh, 15 carries, okay. 236 yards and four touchdowns in a, in a great win against Miami of Ohio. Um, he's he has over 431 yards in the year. He got a little banged up. But I say that I say that because Army, uh, you know, we, we know that the Heisman is politics, right? Uh, Army is a huge brand and Army has a chance to be put in the best position uh, for a service academy going to a New Year's Six Bowl in a long, long time because, I mean, the Wake Forest game, they have Wake Forest at home on on October 23rd and Wake Forest, so they roll in. I mean, they have a good chance to roll in at 6-0 and when that game comes. Let's see, it's the 23rd. So, yeah, about 6-7-0 or seven and when that game comes. Uh, if he outplays Sam Hartman. And Army ends up winning. That could be huge for their New Year's Six prospects and for uh, Christian Anderson's Heisman prospects as well. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to win the darn thing, but I'm saying he could get some votes if, um, I mean, if he beats w- w- Wake Forest and of course uh, Wisconsin the week before goes to Camp Randall in a night game at, at a on the Big Ten Network. So Christian Anderson, 15 carries, uh, 236 yard, yards, and uh, and two touchdowns. Really huge performance. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he's doing well so far in the year. And like you said, he has some pretty big opportunities later on in, in the road. He's got to get through Miami, Ohio first. But our, our excuse me, that was, I was with Ball State this week. But yeah, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, with Devin Leary. Uh, I think that should come a little surprise. <laughs> uh, quarterback from NC State, 32 for 44, which is just under 73% completion percentage. Only 238 yards, but four touchdowns and no picks in that major statement win over Clemson. Um, I mean, you can – yes, Clemson is not who they were. I'm not saying NC State is being a college football playoff caliber team. But uh, the the drop-off in talent can only be so much when you still have the same head coach and, you know, didn't have, you know, 24 draft picks go out. So, um, so it still is a – a decent Clemson team and uh, Devin Leary was a big part of that. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think some guys in the ACC can crawl up the Heisman race before, I mean, before our very eyes, whether it be Sam Hartman, um, Devin Leary for NC state, 
even though I'm not, I'm not sure is uh, is that so far this season will kind of match up with um, what what we like to see out of Heisman caliber quarterbacks, but guys like him could emerge um, in in the race for the Heisman out of the ACC. It's interesting to see, um, and we'll talk about how wide open the Heisman race is at the moment with a couple of big games this weekend um, for positioning in, in the award race. My next quarterback, I'm going to go FCS right here. Uh, I'm going to go with Liam Welch out of Sanford. And this is a guy that we talked a lot. Oh, was that your guy? Because I got, I got, I got us. Okay, I'll switch it up. No, it, so. it wasn't. It wasn't. But I, just, I remember the name. So yeah. Okay. I, yeah. <laughs> We're safe then. Yeah. Liam Welch had an absolutely amazing game for Sanford. He is still saucing it up out there. He he, he went fifty six for seventy three against East Tennessee State. That team that beat Vanderbilt had five hundred eighty two yards passing through the air. He had seventy three rushing yards on ten carries with a twenty seven yard run. And it's honestly, the quarterbacking scene is so electric in FCS because you have Eric Barrier, you have Liam Welch, you have, of course, the Zach Wilson of the Seven Hills, uh, Matt Sluka, and, and Marco Seidman for Holy Cross, too, getting reps out there. Uh, you have great quarterback play coming from Princeton as well. Um, so a really, really great quarterback scene out there. And, of course, you have Eric Schmidt. Lindsey Lindsay Wilson is still saucing it up out there for Nichols State. An amazing quarterback scene. Probably more exciting than the FBS quarterback scene, in my opinion. But Liam Welch, I mean, an amazing performance. Um, it's just a shame. Same thing, same thing happened in the spring where Stanford could not play defense. And, really, Liam Welch's games went, it went in vain. So Liam Welch is my second quarterback. You mentioned my second quarterback, actually. I'm going with the Mike White of the Seven Hills, uh, the Marco Siderman uh, quarterback from Holy Cross. Uh, 22 for 27, 81.5% completion percentage, which is just absolutely insane. Uh, 354 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, who's the backup to Zach Wilson, Mike White? I thought it was only appropriate to, uh, to give him that nickname. Yeah, and I mean – like no bias. Um, the, the win against Monmouth was a huge win. That's a team that hammered Holy Cross in the playoffs in 2019, a team that um, almost beat Sam Houston State in the first round, the eventual champions, almost beat Sam Houston State in the first round of the FCS spring playoffs this earlier this year, a team that had two Walter Payton award candidates in Juwan Ferry and their quarterback's name escapes me right now, but the, oh, Tony, Tony Musket, Tony Musket, their quarterback, amazing freshman year. So a huge win for Holy Cross and a huge win for the Patriot League because the Patriot League got beat up in week two earlier this year. Um, you had blowout losses by Bucknell. Um, Fordham lost a close game earlier that week as well. I mean, just Lehigh as well. Lehigh has only scored, I think they've scored less than 20 points this whole year. So rough, really rough go of it for a lot of the Patriot League and non-conference play. A huge win for the conference. But um, I mentioned that Holy Cross lost to Merrimack week two. So I have an honorable mention at quarterback, which I mean, honestly, he's just on par with the rest of them. Weston Elliott for Merrimack had an amazing game this week for the Warriors uh, in a win against Delaware State, 47 to 10 win against Delaware State. Weston Elliott had what, 21 of 23 with six touchdowns. And he was also the Warriors leading rusher with 43 rushing yards on three carries. And he's had an amazing year so far, 14 touchdowns in four games. For a Merrimack team that joined Division One in 2019, and they're really showing out. Like they're the whole Northeast Conference is really competitive this year, and it's really exciting. Uh, Weston Elliott, I think, um, might be a sleeper candidate for the the Walter Payton Award. It's hard for guys in the Northeast Conference to uh, really make make waves for the award, as we talked in the spring about Julius Chestnut. But Weston Elliott's a name to remember out there. 
Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, definitely someone to, to keep an eye on as we move on. Um, uh, we're going on to receivers with that. Uh, keeping in that. I'm going to go with Xavier Worthy, uh, wide receiver from Texas. Five receptions, 100 yards, and three touchdowns. He has a, had a pretty solid year, too. 17.6 average yards per catch on the year with 14 receptions. So quite the weapon for Texas in that, I mean, just offensive explosion versus Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, that was a really surprising game, I think, for um, for Texas to drop 70 on Texas Tech. I mean, I don't think Texas Tech had defensive problems that bad, but it just shows how wide open the Big 12 might be with how Oklahoma's played, even though they're 4-0, they, they look very vulnerable. And that just showed that offensive explosion. And uh, the following week, we have the Red River shootout. So should be great. Uh, for my receiver, I'm going to stay with FCS, and I'm going to go, I'm, I hope I don't butcher this name, but Talolo Limu Jones, who had seven catches for 175 yards and a 50-21 to 21 win against Southern Utah. And on the year, I mean, this is really his breakout game, but he's had 23 catches, catches for 345 yards. Should be getting the ball a lot from Eric Barrier, who had 500, who had back-to-back 500-yard games in the past two weeks. So they aired the ball out there in a, at Eastern Washington, and they have a nationally televised game, which we'll talk a little bit more about uh, this weekend against Montana on ESPN2. A little bit of big sky after dark, and you'll get to see uh, the real Limu Emu, Talolo Limu Jones. Yeah, man. Of another one that I've got, another receiver. I've got uh, Jacob Cowing, a wide receiver from UTEP, which I'm sure I, th- I think we've mentioned him before in the pod a couple times. Uh, seven receptions for 174 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he's had a pretty good year overall, but uh, man, he really went off in that win versus uh, versus New Mexico State or New Mexico. Yeah, and UTEP's three and one right now. They look on on the fast track to a bowl. Uh, they have three winnable games at least on their schedule in conference, and they might even pull an upset in conference play with how the offense rolls, how they like to run the ball there. Uh, really good year, and they're out wearing the Texas Western throwbacks. Jacob Cowan is a legitimate, I think, Bolitnikoff Award. Uh, five, I think he'll be a finalist, honestly, if they keep throwing the ball to him the way that they are because he's a big play receiver. He doesn't get volume, but, I mean, he gets the t- – he gets – yards per catch and he gets just enough catches to make great stats so Jacob McCowing is I mean I, I think more people should know about him in the country but Conference USA's TV deal is absolutely trash and if you're not Marshall UAB or Louisiana Tech you're not going to be on CBS Sports Network very often I mean that's just that's just the nature of the beast it's just those three teams that get most of the appearances in the conference oh and also if you're not hosting a power five conference team like Western Kentucky was this past Saturday you're just not going to get on TV much so UTEP most of the games are going to be on ESPN Plus, which is very accessible, but a lot of fans won't default to that as their primary viewing option. It, it's it's sad, but it's the way it is, uh, which is why Jacob Cowling isn't a household name when he should be. So, I mean, just go after going on that rant, my uh, my next receiver, I'm going to go with uh, Oregon State, who had an absolutely amazing game this weekend. First, uh, their first win in the uh, in the LA Coliseum since the Kennedy administration. Uh, as they thrashed USC 45 to set 45 to seven, and they had a balanced attack. Uh, their receiver, their leading receiver was, excuse me, was Tyjon Lin- Lindsay, who had five catches for 102 yards and two touchdowns. Really, his breakout game. But you never know with uh with how high scoring the Pac-12 is. Um, they might get into shootouts later on this year where Lindsay gets used more and gets more leeway or gets more traction, excuse me, into the Blitnikoff race. Like they have games against, of course, Oregon, the Civil War. 
or I forget that's not what it, that's not what it's called anymore. Uh, on Thanksgiving Day, on Thanksgiving weekend, they have Washington State and Rolovich's uh, run and shoot offense. Uh, just a bunch of shootouts left. Arizona State, where Lindsey can uh, make a name for himself for the Blitnikoff. Yeah, definitely, man. And I, I make that mistake all the time too with the Civil War and, and no longer being called that. Um, wait, so you did? Are we moving on to running backs right now, or are we doing three? HR, did yeah, you we, quarterbacks? Uh, so I did an honorable mention quarterbacks. I felt it had to be. Uh, oh, mentioned. okay. We, we can do running That's backs. That's what threw yeah, me we off. Didn't do running backs. My bad. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. So I'll, do you want to go first on running backs, or do you want? You can go first on running backs. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I didn't steal the first pick from you. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy. You might have heard of him, Omar. Sincere McCormick, uh, running back from UTSA. Uh, 42 rush yards, 100, or, uh, 42 rushes for 184 yards and three touchdowns. Another three receptions for, 33, for 33 yards. Was absolutely clutch with a fourth down touchdown to tie the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, McCormick having a, a great year for himself so far. Yeah, when we talked about Sincere last year, uh, Sincere remains one of the best backs in the country. UTSA is one of the best stories in the country, but the problem is every group of five conference, quite literally every group of five conference has a great story and a team that has New Year's Six potential. Like, it, it, this might be the closest race we've ever seen for the New Year's Six because every conference has a dog in the race. Even Western Michigan who beat a Pittsburgh team that is not bad and, and might even win their division. They might even win the, the ACC Coastal. And Western Michigan went to Heinz Field and beat them. Uh, it's, it's a shame because I, I think what, I think UTSA has a very realistic chance of going 12-0 and 0 in Conference USA. Uh, they're, I mean, their main... Uh, Let's see, their, their main their main opponents that to watch out for would be UAB, of course, the Blazers in the West. Very, I mean, always a great team. I'm not sure if they draw Marshall, which I'm looking at right now to see if they draw Marshall, which is always a challenge for any team in the conference. Um, no, they avoid Marshall, but their biggest challenge is UAB from now. And, of course, there's trap games like Louisiana Tech plays well, uh, UTEP at the Sun Bowl. So I think UTSA has a great chance of going 12 and 0, but again, like when you have Cincinnati, um, you know, who is pretty much in the driver's seat for the New Year's Six and might even is on, might even be on the edge of the playoff. You also have Coastal Carolina at 16. It's just a crowded New Year's Six race, but uh if Cincy McCormick, I'll say this right now. If Cincy McCormick does not win the Doak Walker Award, I think they're I think someone's got to be charged for robbery because the man is a consistent performer. 42 carries is all you need to like, that's all you need to see really who like no one does that anymore, but uh, I'm going to get off my soapbox and go to our next running back. So uh, last week I mentioned Deuce Vaughn being a, a guy uh, to watch out for in the Heisman race. Um, a guy that reminded me a lot of Darren Sproles, not just because of the color of the Jersey, but because of the play style, but they, he was absolutely shut down against uh, Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State is now 4-0, led by Jalen Warren, who had 27 carries for 123 yards. And that was after he had a 32-carry, 218-yard performance against Boise State. He had a slow start to the season, uh, only, only totaling 46 yards in his first two games. But if Jalen Warren picks it up in Big 12 play, he could be – he, he could be on the pedestal where we're talking about Kenneth Walker and CJ Verdell as Heisman candidates for the running back position. But I think that's only if Oklahoma state becomes a, a playoff contender. And for the record, Deuce Vaughn wasn't even the leading rusher for Kansas that game. Uh, he had 13 carries for 22 yards and his longest carry was a seven yard carry. So Oklahoma state bottled Deuce Vaughn up. I still love Deuce Vaughn, but um, 
Warren proved that I think he's the best back in, in the Big 12 this week. No, absolutely. He had he had a uh, a phenomenal game, and well, we'll definitely keep talking about him and McCormick and Vaughn and everyone. Um, my next hit, I'm going to go with Pat Garwell, uh, running back from Boston College, in 25 carries, 175 yards, and two touchdowns. He's had either a touchdown or 150 rush yards in all four games this year. Uh, he had both in the overtime win versus Missouri this week. Man, it seems like death taxes and uh, Boston College running backs doing really well in college. Uh, or Boston College is like uh, producing running backs, whether it's Andre Williams being a Heisman finalist in 2013, whether it's um, even even John Hilleman getting some NFL time with the Giants. Uh, he was a back that that was, you know, put in some pretty bad offenses, but still got NFL time. And of course, A.J. Dillon, a guy that I thought could have been a Heisman finalist uh, if he stayed healthy for Boston College and Boston College won. Um, so yeah, just a just a running back factory out there um, in bot in Chestnut Hill. For my last running back, I'm gonna go back to the Oregon State game and I'm gonna go with BJ Baylor. He had 32 carries for 156 yards, and what I love to see with these running backs is like those volume stats of carries and just efficient, even with the volume of carries that they get. Like 32 carries, even like I mean, we talked about Cincinnati McCormick's 42, but even 32, that's like something you don't really see too often, and in such a big win like that. Uh, you know, it, it 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 gets his name out for sure. And Oregon State looks like they have a, a bunch of potential to, I mean, make some noise in the Pac-12 North. Do I think they're going to win the Pac-12 North? No. But I, I think eight and four, nine and three isn't out of the question, which could help Baylor's uh, candidacy for the Doak Walker. Uh, may, I mean, Heisman, if they beat Oregon and he goes off, you know, maybe. I, I don't know. But but yeah, B.J. Baylor should be on everyone's radars. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I had another one. Speaking of volume, I had another running back. I'll do an honorable mention since you didn't want a quarterback. Isaiah Ifans, a running back from Montana State, 30 carries and was also productive, 217 yards and a touchdown. He's at six and a half yards per carry on the year. So just had a had a pretty good game against, I believe it was Portland State that they were playing. Uh, yeah, it was Portland State. Um, so yeah, that was that was awesome to see. Um Moving on to defense, uh, we have each have one defensive player, I think. Yeah, I got, I got one defensive player. It was hard to find defensive performances that are really great. Um, in terms of like, right. I, look, I look at tackles and tackles for a loss. Uh, I'm going to go with the obvious one, Cam Hart, two picks for Notre Dame against uh, Wisconsin. Uh, just a huge win for uh, Notre Dame's playoff prospects. Um, even though we'll see how relevant this win is by the end of the year with Wisconsin, because Wisconsin looks like they're sliding um i'm not sure if they look like a nine win team even we'll have to see because the big 10 west also looks kind of weak um top to bottom uh or not i shouldn't say weak but it looks like it, it could eat itself alive so uh, we'll see right. how big that win is but two picks especially um in that fourth quarter where it seemed like graham mertz just melted down um oh gosh that was ugly yeah it was it was hard to watch honestly yeah. but um huge win for the irish in chicago uh, proving again that they're Chicago's college team. It's not Northwestern. It's not NIU. It, it's really Notre Dame, if we're being honest. <laughs> my uh, my defensive guy. Uh, my defensive guy. I'm going to go with James Patterson, a linebacker from Buffalo. Yes, the twin brother of Jared Patterson. Uh, this past week, he had seven tackles, including one tackle for loss, a forced fumble, and an interception. 
So phenomenal performance. And he's Buffalo's leading tackler on the year with 36 in four games. I mean, I didn't realize that Jerry Patterson had a twin brother on the team. And I mean, Buffalo, I mean, they, 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 they've been doing great in the Mac. Um, we saw them. They were really competitive against Nebraska. They almost beat Coastal Carolina at home. Uh, they look like a favorite in the Mac East. It's, it's just great what they're doing still, even with Lance Leipold leaving for Kansas. Uh, really consistent program out there. Uh, in terms of defensive awards, it's hard for a group of five guys to really get that traction, but we'll keep looking for looking at James Patterson and doing our part to, if he keeps performing, doing our part to, you know, start the campaign. I mean, anytime you get a forced fumble, a T, at least one TFL and a pick on the same game, I mean, gosh, you're, you're all over the field. So um, moving on into uh, our Heisman top five, did it, did it shake up at all for you this week? It shook up and it wasn't because of a, a really momentous performance for me, but it's just like reflection after the polls. And but the top two are still the same, in my opinion. We still got Matt Corral and Bryce Young, even though that might shift. That, that'll that likely shift depending on the result of the game this Saturday. I mean, they we'll do play each later. other. So Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see how they perform head to head, because that's usually a huge like a huge eliminator in terms of the Heisman race, like how they how candidates play against each other. But at number three, I, I have Sean Clifford at number three because he's averaging almost 300 passing yards a game on number four Penn State. And they have some really big games coming up. They have Iowa coming up. They have Ohio State coming up. They have Michigan State and Michigan still. The Big Ten has a lot of heavy hitters. And I, I think people are overlooking that just because Ohio State lost. And Sean Clifford is doing his part at quarterback to, you know, put them back in the, in the national title race. I mean, they started 0-5 last year. But, I mean, a lot of people, I think, wrote off James Franklin and Penn State, including myself. So I got Clifford at 3 at four, I wanted to I wanted to hop on the Desmond Ritter um, train Heisman train for you, but the stats aren't as impressive in my opinion. Averaging o- like only around two hundred yards per game hasn't really. I mean, he had the comeback victory against against Indiana, but I think I'll have to see more against Notre Dame this week to really put him on my list. So I, at four, I have Jake Hayner, uh, who continues to put up numbers, um, especially a comeback game against a comeback victory against UNLV. Um, on Friday night, even though that's a position that Fresno State should not have been in and might have hurt their candidacy in the New Year's Six. But Hayner, it was not through Hayner's fault. And then five, I have a tie between Kenneth Walker and C.J. Verdell because Walker hit a roadblock, only nine, only 61 yards and 19 carries. And then Verdell also hit a roadblock. He just did not get the ball enough against Arizona as Oregon kind of struggled against that air, that bad Arizona team. Verdell had 11 carries for, I think, 43 yards. Uh, not good for his candidacy when you're a running back. You can't really have down games. I mean, even though looking back at the last running back to, or looking back at Mark Ingram, you know, this is, I mean, it seems like ages ago when we talk about 2009, Mark Ingram had 16 carries for 30 yards against Auburn, I believe. I mean, the biggest, like their biggest rival, and he still somehow won the Heisman. I didn't look at Toby Gerhardt's game log, but I would, I would assume he had an off game, you know, at least for one of his games. It seems in this day and age where the pass is, I mean, all, I mean, what, what is the, what is the crux of, of a college spread offense that you can't have any off games as running back and uh, Kenneth Walker and CJ Verdell, uh, they had, they had off games. Toby Gerhard is the name I haven't heard in a hot minute. I mean, gosh, I, I can't remember the last time I, uh, I, I heard that name. Uh, anyways, 
Uh, my, I have a pretty similar top five. Obviously, Corral and Bryce Young are still one and two. And I mean, they're one and two, but I think they're interchangeable. We'll find out this Saturday. Um, one of them's going to drop down to at least three or four, you would think. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm, I'm staying with Desmond Ritter at number three. I think he has a chance to, to jump for that second spot. Uh, I've, Corral or Young, one of the two is going to get uh, the number one spot. Ritter, I think he has a chance to jump up with a win versus Notre Dame. The Notre Dame hype train is, is going loud and strong uh, after that uh, dominant win versus Wisconsin. So I think they've Desmond Ritter has a legit chance. Number four, I've got Jake Hayner, uh, obviously quarterback from Fresno State that we've talked about. He already had his Heisman moment at UCLA. But a great way to follow up was by throwing for five touchdowns as he did this uh, this past week against UNLV. I'm going to go with CJ Stroud at number five. Um, I, I hate to say it. He didn't get a chance to, to pad the stats against Tulsa this past week. But um, I mean, anytime you have a guy as explosive as him at, at, uh, at a program like Ohio State, all he needs is a few good games, maybe a little bit later on in the year and, you know, a couple 400 yard, four touchdown performances, and he'll be right up back there on the list. So I'm going to keep him, uh, even though he hasn't had like the fifth best performance necessarily, I'm going to keep him on the list for sure. Yeah. And I'm going to add, I'm going to add a little bit more. I'm going to add some like next up guys, in my opinion, I think next up is Sam Hartman. He's like just waiting. Uh, he hasn't really, I mean, he hasn't really had a really big game yet. Like the, the win against, against Virginia, don't get me wrong, was a huge win for Wake Forest in their quest for the ACC title. But it wasn't a game that a lot of people were really watching and really following a lot. Uh, you know, once he plays, once he plays North Carolina in, in that non-conference game and also Clemson as well, I think people will, it'll be a lot easier for people to jump on the Sam Hartman hype train uh, in terms of the Heisman race, e even Army, if Army comes in undefeated, because you know that game's going to get a lot of publicity if both teams come in the top 25. It, it's, it's a service academy and they have a power five team coming on the road, even like even NC State, if, if NC State remains ranked, like there's a lot of chances for Sam Hartman to shine in. Again, there's always that that desire for a great story. Wake Forest going back, going to the New Year's Six Bowl, their first one since the 07 Orange Bowl. And like, I think their second one ever. It's a great story. So I think Hartman's next up. And I also want to I also want to bring up Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think DTR is next up as well. Uh, they have that one loss, of course, to Fresno State. But a lot of projections that we've seen as we talked on um, on Monday Night Football uh, Bowls and Booze, um, D, like uh, UCLA, they have UCLA in the Rose Bowl, their first Rose Bowl since nineteen nine since nineteen ninety nine. Which of course the Rose Bowl, nothing matches the pageantry of the Rose Bowl. Um, I, I think looking at their schedule, I think they lose to Oregon. They, this could be a three loss team um, after the Pac twelve title game. But DTR, of course, is the heart and soul of it. Nine hundred nineteen passing yards, nine touchdowns, one pick, two rushing touchdowns. Um, I got DTR next up. I mean, especially if he if they beat Oregon. If you say beats Oregon, then shoot DTR up into the top five, honestly. No, I could definitely see that, uh, especially with Oregon <laughs> if if he can somehow pull that off. But yeah, we'll see. And um, yeah, I mean, I have to I have to add some more guys to my list because I honestly can't think of a six and seven just off the top of my head. That I've been that I've been uh impressed with enough or right on the cusp, but we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on that next week. Um, moving on into to games to watch this week. What are some ones that you're looking forward to? I'm going to start, I'm going to start with the FCS because there are some absolute bangers on the FCS level. 
starting off with one that we mentioned earlier, uh, national TV, Big Sky After Dark. Uh, my ESPN app will collaborate or cooperate. There we go. I know he's playing that one. I was trying to find other FCS games because there's a ton of ranked FCS games. But you have Montana versus Eastern Washington. We talked about Eric Berry, who I think is the front runner for the Walter Payton Award, was a finalist last year, has thrown for 500 yards in back-to-back games, had that big game against against UNLV at Allegiant, at the, at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, just a great quarterback and I mean, people know of Eastern Washington football, but this will really be a showcase for Eastern Washington and like Montana as well. I mean, I feel like people were really sleeping on Montana until they beat Washington, of course, them being an FCS school. But Montana is a very solid FCS program, and you'll see that at 1030 on ESPN, too. Just an absolute, I mean, scorcher of a game. Uh, I think that's the best after dark game in that period, honestly, because last week, Last the last weekend's games just kind of they were kind of stinkers in that in that time slot. Yeah, definitely not the uh definitely not the best time slot, especially with the disappointment that was Oregon State uh USC. So um yeah, hopefully that'll hopefully there'll be a, a little bit better slate in the uh in the after dark time. As you said, um, I'm going to go with, with a game on Friday, which I, we haven't done too many of those. Houston at Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa, one and three, especially with that loss to Ohio State. Uh, also lost to Oklahoma State and UC Davis. Their only win is against Arkansas State. Uh, with Houston has beaten Rice, Grambling, and Navy, lost to Texas Tech. I just think after this game is played, we'll have a much better picture of the AAC and how that'll come about because I I can see either team winning in this one, honestly, because Tulsa, I don't feel like the one and three record is quite reflective of, of how they are. And uh, Houston is, I don't know, maybe a little bit of a pretender, but we'll, we'll see. I think we'll have a much better picture. And it's, it's a mystery in my opinion, like who's going to play Cincinnati in the, in the American title game. That's a huge mystery. Because uh, it could be Memphis, it could be Houston, um, just a lot of teams out of that. Con- it could be UCF, heck. I mean, a lot of teams, <clears throat> excuse me, fighting for power, even SMU. There's a lot of good teams in the American uh, fighting for that second spot and could ultimately, like, hop into the New Year's Six conversation if they beat Cincinnati. So, really interesting situation. The Friday night games have not been the best. Um, it, I mean, this this past weekend, were, they were great games. I mean, you had Liberty, Syracuse. Which, uh, if you're Hugh Freeze, kick the field goal. You just got to kick the field goal. Um, just some absolutely great games. So, uh, for my for my next game, I'm gonna go with the, an important game in the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, a guy we've talked about before, Otis Weah. Uh, he's having a he's having trouble this season. 39 carries, 161 yards, and three touchdowns. But of course, North Dakota State comes into town with a 3-0 record. North Dakota is two and one. You got a rivalry game there, an important game with a lot at stake. And I mean, North Dakota State is being one of the bigger brand names. Uh, North Dakota is looking to really gain some ground in that rivalry with a huge win this weekend. So that's one to watch. That one will be on ESPN Plus for those of you that don't live in the re- in the Dakotas uh, at three o'clock Eastern. And please, if you're listening to this and living in one of the Dakotas, Dakotas, please let us know because uh, that would be uh, that would be a first. Um, I'm going to go with a, a, a pretty obvious one here. I think maybe the best game of the week, Cincinnati at Notre Dame. It's a statement game for Cincinnati. Uh, this is essentially a playoff game for them, I think. And maybe 
They don't go to the CFP. Well, more than likely not. But um, this is a huge resume uh, builder for Cincinnati. And for Notre Dame, it's not the same. Uh, Notre Dame, if they uh, beat Cincinnati, then that's just kind of expected. If they lose to Cincinnati, they'll probably win all the, uh, the rest of their games. Um, so it probably won't come back to haunt them. But, man, I uh, – this is a huge game for Cincinnati. I, I mean, I know I'm going to be pulling for the Bearcats. I really hope they can pull this one off, but we'll we'll see. This is, this is an incredibly important game, and I think Cincinnati is one of the more underrated teams right now. Absolutely. And, I mean, had this happened in another year where another conference was iffy, I mean, particularly the Pac-12, uh, you know, this, this would be it, like a more clear – uh, playoff game for Cincinnati but the Pac-12 is strong we don't I mean we don't know about the Big 12 which brings me to my next game uh, Baylor versus Oklahoma State both teams are undefeated and under everyone's radar with Baylor with with uh, Baylor at 19 Oklahoma State at 21 um, both teams are under the radar and it, this could be uh, an elimination game because I'm not sure if either team well, I mean maybe you know we don't know about these teams yet if they can beat Oklahoma that that's the thing really so, I mean, that'll be something to look out for, for, for sure. And I think the thing that, that uh, troubles the Big 12 is the fact that they do round robin and a, and a conference title game. So in a year where you have so many teams that could end up undefeated by simply by avoiding each other, which I feel like would could be the case if the Big 12 had divisions, even though the three teams of note are would have been in the same division. Um, so maybe that doesn't hold up as well. But just a huge game as well. I mean, Baylor looked legitimate against Iowa State. They'll have another test so a couple weeks down the road against BYU. A huge game for BYU's New Year's Six preparations. Just a huge game that I feel is just under the radar because I feel like people was kind of giving up on Oklahoma despite their struggles. What was that? Oh, I was, I was just oh. going to say the way that uh, Baylor held Brees Hall was, like, incredible. Uh, it's not to Brees Hall's fault. He's still just as good as he was last year. That offensive line took some hits, uh, and the, they're just not – they're a shell of what they were last year. But, man, they – how they contained him was, was very impressive um, in watching that game. And you're right. Both these teams are, like you said, under the radar. So, we'll see. Um I mean, Baylor and Oklahoma State fans will probably be chanting K Love, K Love too, because <laughs> uh, uh, they don't they don't want to face Spencer Rattler uh, by any means. So uh, with my next game, I'm gonna go with Louisiana Monroe at Coastal Carolina. Uh, Louisiana Monroe thought this was interesting. They're the eighth best rushing defense statistically in the nation. Uh, Coastal Carolina is uh, the third best in third down percentage. Those are going to be two really important things for both of these teams, Coastal Carolina to finish and continue drives. Louisiana Monroe just has to control the clock. I feel like in this one, you have to keep the ball out of Grayson McCall's hands. Grayson McCall just on fire this year, a 77% completion percentage, eight touchdowns, only one pick. Uh, Louisiana Monroe, I think, has a chance. It's going to be tough on the road in Myrtle Beach, but, uh, man, they've, they've got to just – they've got to control the clock and they've got to get coastal Carolina off the field. So we'll say, I think that's going to be an intriguing game. Yeah. And I, I think that 34 and a half point lines a bit too much because ULM is improving a lot. Yeah. Um, they, no, that, yeah. That's another thing I was going to mention is that is uh, this game is going to be a lot closer, I think than 34 and a half points. Well, obviously it can't you know, be a 34 and a half point difference, but it's going to be a lot closer than that. 
Uh, I, I mean, Coastal Carolina will win, obviously. And I, I don't think ULM really has a shot, but it's like, I think they can hang in there for just a little bit, if only. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think Coastal Carolina will cover, honestly. Um, but that ULM team, like we talked about it with our with their bowl projections, like people are thinking this team uh, could make a bowl if everything falls right, which on that note, I think their main competition, these teams play each other uh, later on in the year. Uh, is South Alabama. South Alabama plays Louisiana at home, three and one Louisiana, and that's eight o'clock Eastern on ESPN Plus. And this is this is an interesting game because we'll sort of see if see if uh, South Alabama is for real. They had a they benefited from a weak schedule. Um, one of the twenty, they're one of the twenty six unbeaten teams left. But this game could be huge for advancing their their bowl aspirations because they face a really tough schedule down the road. They got Tennessee, Coastal, App State. Uh, they got Troy, Georgia Southern's always a tough team to play with that triple option. And they play them on a Thursday night on a short week, short week of preparation for that option offense. Even, even with the, with Georgia Southern firing Chad Lunsford could be a troublesome game. So I think we'll really see if uh, South Alabama is a legitimate player in the bowl race, but um, they have, they have some winnable games for sure. And they should be well on their way to the lending tree bowl, but that that's a true test in the Sun Bowl for uh, right there. Um, like South Alabama against Louisiana. And yeah, no, that'll be a good one to watch. Opposite end of the spectrum again. I'm going to go with uh, Arkansas at Georgia um, College Game Day this week. I think Georgia wins. Uh, they're just so much more talented than Arkansas. I will say I'm fascinated with Arkansas's defensive scheme. They run a permanent dime defense. So they're okay and giving up the short to medium plays. You are not going to beat them over the top, and you're going to get very few explosive plays, if any. Uh, Arkansas also has the 16th ranked rushing offense, which similar to, like I said, with Louisiana Monroe, the only shot they have is to just control the clock and they're, uh, the 35th best scoring offense, which, uh, I mean, you have to score to compete with, uh, with Georgia. So we'll see Like I said, I think Georgia wins, especially with the BN in, uh, in Athens, but Arkansas has a, a little bit of a formula to keep it close for a little bit. Yeah, and I, I want to push back a little bit. I think on on Arkansas controlling the clock. Well, that's that's certainly a key to victory. I don't think they need to do that all too much against Georgia. Uh, I think they got to force Georgia to pass more, honestly, because the play action game was what's really strong. I mean, when when it comes to Georgia, I mean, of course, you watch more SEC ball than I have, but uh, I think what let what let a guy like Stetson Bennett have the game he did against UAB was them prepping so much for the run was you would be really anticipating to run so much opening up those deep passing lanes so that that's just my view on it of course I don't watch as much SEC ball as you do I mean when you're facing like six defensive backs on literally like every snap it's going to be it's going to be tough to pass the ball effectively though so and I mean you can probably get a pretty good number of yards after contact if you're in the running game but I mean there's so many guys on the second and, uh, and third levels. I just feel like it's it's a little bit of a way to, to keep it close. And I mean, looking at uh, I, I watched a lot of um, all 22 this offseason on on the Chiefs, particularly games where the Chiefs played bad teams and it, it stayed close. And a lot of these teams, how they kept it close against this really explosive offense in Kansas City was by playing a dime defense almost the whole time. Um, because with that many more DBs, um, it's uh, the Lions game in 2019, 
they played that way almost the entire time. And the Lions almost beat Kansas City. And that just from keeping it close, because you are not going to beat us over the top, we're going to force you to, you know, yes, we're, we'll give up six and eight and 10 yard gains, but you're not going to score, you know, you're not going to have any cheat drives where it's two plays, 78 yards, you know, you're not going to have any of those. And if Arkansas can do the same thing against Georgia, I'm just saying it, it makes it for an interesting contest. I mean, absolutely. It's amazing um, just how many Titanic clashes in the SEC we have. We also got Auburn, LSU, and then, of course, Ole Miss, Alabama, which you can go either or with which whatever game could be game day, which I'm just going to mention that in passing because who isn't talking about that game, honestly? Like, I mean, it's not that it's not that we're ignoring. It's just that everyone's going to talk about Ole Miss, Alabama because it's Matt Corral versus Bryce Young. Um, so I, I think for my my uh, one of my last games, I'm going to go with UAB Liberty. UAB's first ever game in their new stadium should be an electric environment. You got Malik Willis versus that great UAB defense um, that's usually stout. The defense that really, really shut down Tulane's offense. And um, as, as you mentioned on Monday, they they're Tulane's now in danger of a bowl, be, in danger of missing a bowl because of their one and three start. They're, I mean, it's no fault of their own. They played a tough schedule. But yeah, no, that I think I think that that Liberty UAB game was one of the more exciting games in the group of five. Uh, it's kind of lost its luster a little bit since Liberty lost to Syracuse, of course, but it's still a great game. Uh, UAB could really I mean, they could excuse me, they could put themselves on par with UTSA, maybe in terms of New Year's six aspirations, because UTSA doesn't really have that signature win. But um, just should be a great game in the new stadium. UAB finally, like, this is a culmination of UAB's comeback to F- to, to football because they had the bad facilities at Legion Field, historic stadium, but it's it's just outdated. Um, it's kind of in a sad state. And now they have their, their own brand-spanking new stadium outside the SEC's offices. Really a, a great moment for the sport of college football. Um, and that's, um, that's, the, that's the primetime game. Uh, I think it's 8 o'clock on the CBS Sports Network. I'm going to check that again or 730. It's seven o'clock on CBS Sports Network. And be sure, just be sure to tune in for that one. Yeah, that'll that'll definitely be one to watch. And um did Liberty, I can't remember since the Syracuse game, did they play one last week? I can't I think they did, right? No, the Liberty game was that was last Friday. Or was that it was last this past Friday? Friday. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I was like, because I don't remember watching that Saturday, but I know I saw it. That's right um yeah so we'll we'll see um Malik Willis I saw I think it was PFF College tweeted that he's now the the number one quarterback for this upcoming draft uh in, in their opinion at least so we'll we'll see which is I mean quite the quite the statement but we'll say I mean Malik definitely has so many talents and so now hopefully Liberty can continue to use them for uh for the time that they have them uh I'm gonna go with Buffalo versus Western Michigan as my last game to watch uh, both teams have the best record in their division in the MAC. Uh, Buffalo is coming off of a close 35-34 win versus Old Dominion. They're only averaging a little over 200 passing yards a game, but running the ball is how they make their money. That's how they've gotten 12 out of 15 touchdowns. They're averaging over 200 rush yards a game. Western Michigan, their only loss is to UMich, the Michigan, and uh, they have a nice one-two punch at running back with Sean Tyler and uh, Ladarius Jefferson. So we'll. We'll see. I think that'll be one that really shapes the Mac as we see going on down the road. Yeah, that that one should be great because Western Michigan, I think in another year, they would definitely be in like the second or they'd be second or third in the New Year's six race with a win against Pitt. And I mean, I think I think what we learned about about Western Michigan this past weekend 
with them beating San Jose State handily at home, 23-3, to shutting down that great offense with Nick Starkle. Uh, fellow Justin Bieber fan, Nick Starkle, always got to mention that. Um, and then and then uh, beating Pitt, a Pitt team that dropped 77 on a New Hampshire team that's good, that is very good out of uh, the Colonial Athletics Association. It just shows how good Western Michigan is. And again, it's just a packed year. Caleb Ellaby, like like you mentioned, a draft-ready quarterback that people got to know about. Um, and, and speaking of draft-ready quarterbacks, I'm going to go to my last game. Nevada-Boise State, a rivalry with a lot of history, of course. If you remember 2010, that was Colin Kaepernick's really in, real introduction to the, to the national stage, uh, that 2010 game. Uh, and they have another great quarterback now, uh, Carson Strong, who – is, is doing really great this year, 955 yards in three games. They ran into a bit of a rough patch against Kansas State, losing to them uh, by a couple scores. But this game's huge because we could see a two and three Boise State team, which is something that's like really hard to imagine. But um, And we have to ask that question, like is Boise State on the decline if, if they lose to Nevada? Not that Nevada is a bad program, but uh, we, we would look at a game like this in the past and we, we would expect to be competitive, but we wouldn't expect Boise State to leave with a losing record five games through the season. So just an interesting development there on the blue turf. Um, might just be a down year, post-pandemic down year for Boise State, but Carson Strong versus Hank Bachmeyer, that's a quarterback matchup to watch. Toa Tawa runs the ball so great. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if people remember his brother Vitawa with Colin Kaepernick in 2010 and the late 2000 and the late 2000s. Just just great running backs out of the Tawa family. Romeo Dubs is one of the best receivers in the group of five. I mean, last year had an amazing year, 58 catches, 1,002 yards, a lot of talent in that game alone, and it's very important. I mean, it's very important for the Mountain West race. I mean, people don't realize how packed the Mountain West Western Division is because uh, you, got, you got Nevada, San Jose State, San Diego State, Fresno State. Uh, I was listening to uh, – I was watching the ABC halftime show for uh, for the noon game, Texas, Texas Tech, and I, I forgot who said it, but one, one of the analysts said that – yeah, their their biggest uh, Fresno State's biggest test is Boise State, and I'm like, that's that's just not true. Like, yeah, we like to assume Boise State, but have you seen the Mountain West? West, I think the conference goes through the West nowadays. Yeah, definitely, and it's so easy for people to uh, to have the uh, the Boise State impression of they're they're still that good, and they're not right now. Uh, obviously, we'd, we'd love to see them someday. They're such a big brand name as far as Group of Five goes. But um, at least for the moment, no, they're, they're not the, the Boise State of old. So, Yeah, and I mean, it, it's kind of interesting, too, in this, in this period of conference realignment. Like, we want them to be that Boise State. And we think that – I think they could add a lot to the American. Uh, but they just decided to decline, which I'm not sure if you saw the big realignment news about Air Force and Colorado State possibly – well, close to joining the American Conference, which could shake up a whole lot of things out west. Yeah, like, yeah, and Boise no, State choosing not to 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 join in in on that that kind of shocks me because without well, I think the conference remains the same because uh, the two big dogs, of course, are Boise State and San Diego State. They both they both decided to stay in the Mountain West. So the conference is conference. The conference's strength should remain the same, really, because Colorado State they're a consistent bowl team, but they're a mid level bowl team, and Air Force. I'm not saying this out of bias, but they haven't really been a huge player aside from, excuse me, aside from a, a 2015 Mountain West title game appearance. They go to bowls. Of course, they have a consistent program, but they've yet to break through the glass ceiling that we've seen Navy go, that we've seen Navy do, uh, where they're on the doorstep of the New Year's Six. So, um, again, it's markets. I think, I think that move is a move for markets in Denver, of course, the Colorado State, and you have – 
you have the national brand in, in Air Force, where the Air Force Navy game is now an in-house production. Um, it's an interesting it's an interesting time for uh, for the Mountain West and the American. Uh, it, it's it's really not beneficial for teams like Temple. I, I I'd be interested interested. Excuse me, geez, moving my mouth so fast, uh, so much talking today. But um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what a school like Temple does, where they're pretty much on an island in Philadelphia. And now they're going to have to travel to Denver and all of their schools are going to have to travel to Denver when Temple, we all know that Temple's focus has been college basketball in the nineties and early two thousands under John Chaney. So it'll be interesting. They might, they might just pull a Yukon and, and, and go full in on basketball and do a regionalized schedule because it's more conducive to do regionalized schedule now with UMass and Yukon and army as independents and even Liberty too. That's already four opponents in the East compared to being an American, like, Maybe you'll get a home and home with Boston College. Uh, maybe you'll play Rutgers a couple of years. Maybe, and then you have your FCS teams. Like, it's it's harder. It's getting harder and harder to be an Eastern school, and that's a bit of a tangent away from like what we're talking about in terms of in terms of hardware. But conference realignment, it, it touches everything. Yeah, it it does. Conference realignment touches and affects everything. And uh, I mean, it's it's tough on on the players more than anything, and the traveling and all that. I don't know. I've I've never had to travel more than like you know, maybe an hour or two for like a game or something, and that was like in high school. Um, but yeah, it it's a lot. We'll 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 have to do a second conference realignment pod because that that's a lot to get into uh, today at least, but yeah, I think it was the last one we did, like some, like all the big news about BYU and all that broke like a couple hours after we posted it, which was kind of funny. Yeah. So. You pretty much called, you pretty much called it from, from what I remember you called all the teams that, well, except for Memphis, which is a huge shot. I, th- I think I'm I got like it. three out of five that, that made yeah. it. So something. Yeah. Yeah. So you're very on, on it. Um, but of course, this opens the door for New Mexico State, which I'm excited about. Um, they, right. they they need a forever home. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. It's interesting to see how things shift. Um, but I can't I can't help but think that natural rivalries might die because Wake. I mean, Air Force has been playing in the WAC slash Mountain West, and they've been playing those teams for upwards of. 50 plus years. I mean, when you think, uh, when you think about the mountain West, of course, inevitably you draw back the, uh, the bloodline to the whack. So it, it's interesting. I mean, change, change is good. Um, sometimes, but we'll, we'll see with this. Um, I guess, I guess before, I guess before we close, it's interesting because of me being a history major and a lover of college football history, air force wanted to start a conference called the air or they wanted to be a part of the conference called the airplane conference which was pretty much what you know what it sounds like a, a transcontinental conference at army navy i think penn state Pitt in the eastern division had a couple pacific eight schools at the time pac eight schools washington i think california um usc and ucla i think were a part of it as well but yeah i mean this it seems like the airplane conference of the 60s coming alive um i mean I guess I guess they finally I guess they finally had their dream come true. Air Force, I, I mean. Yeah, I know. We'll we'll see what Air Force goes to. It'll be weird to see them not playing in the uh, the WAC slash Mountain West, but we'll we'll see. Uh, speaking of you being uh, such a big fan of uh, of college football history, I, I've got a trivia question. Um, oh, let's hear it. Yeah, I got a trivia question for you. Um, since I could not find, I spent like 15 minutes. I could not find a way to justify picking ball state over army. 
So I'm going to have to go with the trivia question, which is more recent. The last time Army won a national championship or the last time FSU started 0-5? Last time FSU started 0-5 because, I mean, it's like Army's last, last national title consensus was 1945. I know that from heart, and I know I know Florida State's program isn't even that old. I think they they were starting in the fifties. Florida State went zero and five in nineteen forty seven. Uh, they oh, put okay. points on the entire year. Um, Google said Army's last national championship was nineteen forty six. Uh, that was also the most recent year that they be, had beaten Oklahoma. So that's your uh, your trivia for the day. Okay. Um. <laughs> I got I got nothing to say say about that. I'm glad that you couldn't justify Ball State beating uh because Ball State Ball State has honestly been one of the bigger disappointments of the year. Honestly, I thought I thought they could have be I thought Penn State Ball State was going to be a trendy upset. Uh, that was underrated under the radar upset for me after how they dominated San Jose State in the Arizona Bowl. But um, yeah, Ball State it's been tough for them. I'm glad they got their title, but you know, Mac fans might uh they might get in Cardinals fans heads and call it a mickey mouse title because it's looking like a mickey mouse title right now honestly i mean that's just the way they're playing i mean yeah yeah it, it's a shame yeah, really uh they, drew plitt drew plitt's a great quarterback um and they had they had a great supporting cast but yeah th- it'll be interesting i mean maybe they'll have the home edge in muncie because army's not playing i mean army's on the road for the first time what seems forever i mean they've had three straight home games seems like forever since they've been on the road but i'm just glad that you didn't um, because I, I don't know, man, you picked UConn to beat Army. Um, I mean, I, I <laughs> that's that's rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's even more that would be even more rock bottom now. Um, since uh, with that with that recent loss to Wyoming, so they somehow UConn seems like it's like worse every week. But, they almost uh, beat Wyoming. They almost they almost beat him. It was a close. Yeah, game. you're right. They did almost beat him. Yeah, you're right. They did. But um, but uh, I remember our friend uh, friend Scott said uh, another week, another embarrassing loss for UConn. So which is and, okay, I'm gonna have to push back against Scott on that because it wasn't embarrassing. They they lost <laughs> they lost by two points to a team that's probably gonna go to a pretty solid bowl, a team that's projected to play a power five team. Like I, yeah, I get it, Scott's a funny guy, but come on, come on, Scott. You you yeah. know that's not embarrassing, man. Yeah, no, that that's fair. So, but yeah, had to work in. I man, that's a first for me. I worked the army and a Florida State little jab and one. So yeah, I didn't know it's Florida State, honestly. Um Man, that that Florida State UMass game is going to be interesting. Like that is, that is definitely, that I is did definitely see, a sicko game. Speaking of winless teams, um, UConn versus Vandy tickets are three dollars on Ticketmaster. So if you're looking to go to college, on Ticketmaster. That's that's wild because Ticketmaster is like the they they got the highest prices. They're like they're the first party distributor. I'm surprised. That's, I could be wrong on the uh, on the vendor on that, but I know that they were three dollars. I saw that on Twitter. So if you're looking to go to a Power Five college football game, uh, for uh, you know, for cheap, go to Vandy UConn, and um, it'll be competitive. That's for sure. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, shoot, that that's interesting. I mean, that's definitely that's definitely a sicko game for there. That that's that's that's. I don't know if you follow the sickos committee, Jackson, or uh, anyone watching it, but there's a an account called the sickos sickos committee, and they 
they they're pretty much a follies account for college football. It's so funny, like the games that they tweet about because only people that genuinely love the sport will tune into these games. Like it's insane. I I mean I, I really can't wait for UMass Florida State. Like that is that is the epitome of a sicko game. Like that is um, that is. So that's gonna be that's gonna be must watch TV for people like us. So. Uh, that's going to be interesting. But, I mean, people might shrug that off, like, oh, come on, Florida State's not that bad. They lost to Jacksonville State, like, in a really bad way. So it might actually be bad against UMass. So we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, I think that wraps it up for me, man. Uh, any uh, Anything else? No, um, just, uh, just a good another college football Saturday to be excited for. Um, got got some other rivalry games. I didn't mention this, but you got the military classic in the south. I want to shout out to Kevin from uh, FCS Fans Nation, a Citadel graduate who uh, I've talked to before. Um, just just a great spectacle. Um, and I mean that that's that. I mean it's it's of course the lesser service academy game, but you know I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> or it's it, sorry, it's not even a service academy game. It's a senior military college game, and I say that in jest, Kevin. I mean we're all in the same fight. Where wherever you come from, we're all in the same fight. I say that in jest. It's all love. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any Citadel jobs or anything. So yeah. I love their uniforms though. Like I yeah, I just I love Citadel's uniforms. They're I mean that the powder the powder I'm blue hoping. just pops. Well oh what was that? Their football uniforms, I'm hoping. Yeah, their football uniforms. The yeah. sit, oh, I yeah. mean, the powder blue just pops. It, it's just, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I'm surprised more teams don't wear powder blue, but I guess that's a discussion for another time. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're getting way off topic. So we definitely are. Uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy your college football uh, Saturday. And uh, man, a lot going on. Uh, the return of uh, of Brady and Gronk Sunday night will also be fun to watch. And yeah, I've never been more excited for an NFL game. I like I'm really I'm actually really excited for that game. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be fun with the uh I think uh TB12 um their Instagram account commenting on the SNF on NBC uh video like I never thought an Adele song would have me like running through the brick wall. But yeah, that's yeah. what that's what I'm thinking man and I and yeah. I listen to Adele my I listen to Adele by choice. I love Adele. Adele is, she makes music for lovers. I mean, great music right there, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to watch. So, uh, man, I was like, it's because I remember um watching at least the beginning of that uh that uh Colts Broncos game when Peyton went back to Lucas Oil. It's like this is even like 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 Tom was immensely more successful than Peyton was at uh, at the Patriots than uh than Peyton was at at Indianapolis. So. It's like an even bigger deal, and he's already won a ring uh, with Tampa, which I don't think Peyton had it. Well, he definitely hadn't at that point. So I don't think he, he had even been to the Super Bowl yet uh, with with Denver. So, but yeah, it'll be it'll be something to watch for sure. Absolutely, um, and I, I think we've rambled enough. Gallivanted and rambled enough. Uh, until next week, huge week next week. Uh, a bunch of rivalries. Can't wait for it. Um, until next week, peace, love, and soul, everyone.